Hello and welcome to Yours Mentally, a podcast that discusses issues that we all have on our mind but are too afraid to speak on. Our podcast is a safe space for anyone who wants to discover more about and improve their mental well-being. So on today's episode of Yours Mentally, we have with us Manish Shekhar Das Gupta, who is a counseling psychologist and co-founder at Gulmohar Counseling and Experiential Learning Services. He works from a humanistic existential orientation, focusing on the existential concerns of one's life. He has also co-facilitated workshops, discussion, and support groups. Apart from psychology, he enjoys music, movies, driving, and reading. So, so happy to have you on this episode, Manish. So, on today's episode, where we talk about existentialism, Manish, my first question to you is: I sometimes wonder whether there are whether there is any point in achieving things when we're going to end up as space dust one day. Do you think it's best to ignore such negative thoughts, or is there any better way to deal with them? All right. Thank you for the question, Anand. Uh, before I delve into answering uh, whether is there any point and you know how we will all end up as space dust one day, what's important to first understand perhaps are these thoughts and what makes us say them as negative thoughts. Uh, within the field of existentialism, there is something called as existential thinking, which simply put is nothing but thinking about one's existence, one's metaphysical existence, how you the self. is connected to yourself and others around and how you are connected to the universe now by virtue of existing and by virtue of having the ability to think as human beings we engage in such thoughts about ourselves about the world about our future and perhaps sometimes about the meaninglessness and pointlessness of the world as well so i wouldn't uh, term these as negative thoughts but thoughts that are only natural and what we call them is existential thinking so when we engage in thinking such as you know as the question posits that we are all going to end up in space just one day so you know what do we do is there any point in achieving things then the nature of this thought is existential so these aren't negative thoughts or positive thoughts these are existential thoughts having established that uh, yes we are all going to end up in space just as space just one day and what it might make us feel you know what what does it make you guys feel you know uh, the thought uh, or the realization that all of us are just going to die one day and you know be spaced us how how what feelings uh, do you all feel when you hear this or when you realize these you know i'd like to ask you guys okay you can, uh, you can so sometimes it kind of gives me a sense of calm so mm-hmm. like uh, when i think about it that okay the, universe is far bigger than any of us or anything we can think about mm-hmm. so even if you know we do mess up or do something mm-hmm. wrong it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. but sometimes it's also very scary like mm-hmm. if you never do anything remarkable or if your life amounts to nothing mm-hmm. uh what's the point i mean it's obviously going back to the same question mm-hmm. but yeah sometimes it's calming sometimes it's really really scary all right okay and i feel like for me it's like you know sometimes i'm just i'm just <laughs> like you know i'll give up like you know like i'm just like ha huh, anyways we're all going to be gone mm-hmm. one day so what's the point of doing this you know that it be so yeah definitely but then sometimes uh, it does uh, you know mm-hmm. yeah it does make me feel calm like ravi said that the universe is much bigger but yeah most of the times it's like you know let be given up mm-hmm. and all of those those feelings can um, do all about you know, earlier like ravi even i felt like you know scared obviously and thought about how everything is pointless then why do anything but uh-huh. i think you can also put a positive spin on it in the sense that 
it also brings a lot of humility like no matter how great or small you are no matter what you've accomplished or haven't accomplished are um you know or everyone's end is the same mhm mm thank you for your answer guys uh, something that stood out here was the fear aspect of things as well as the sense of calmness and what kenzo brought about was humility understanding that all of us no matter who we are have the same end what's crucial to understand you know when we have a question such as this what is the point of life it's important to delve deeper because these within these questions there are deeper emotions and one of those deeper emotions perhaps right now could be fear or could be a sense of calm we can go deeper then and where is that coming from one particular possibility could be say you have grown up and you have been socialized again to be a particular way and mind you we live in a capitalist society all right uh, so then what happens is that because by virtue of living in a capitalist society there's a lot of pressure being put upon us that we have to be remarkable we have to be something we have to be important right and all of these things are kind of told to us in so many ways and this importance need not be being the most famous person in the world but perhaps being remarkable within your social group or say within your city or within your community and that perhaps what makes you feel good or better but nothingness you know may not make you feel good or better nothingness when there is nothing i am not going to get anything out of it might make you feel the fear uh, the anxiety might come in that oh my god who am i going to be if everything is just gonna everyone's is going to die what is the point of hard work so a lot of intermixture of things happen when we posit questions like these and within them lie these emotions now the reason i bring about uh, the capitalist aspect and why we live uh, how it's important to understand is that existentialism as a philosophy primarily grew uh, during the 19th century around the time industrialization uh, was increasing and spreading across europe so in so many ways existentialism was an answer or was a counterculture to the growing capitalist society that was happening you look at a lot of existentialist philosophers be it kierkegaard be it nietzsche right they criticized the capitalist model they criticized the conveyor belt system nietzsche talked about the herd mentality and uh, you know a lot of existential uh, philosophers have also criticized the schooling system where in schools individuals are placed to take up the jobs of their parents so it's like a conveyor belt system where the particular adult male adult is has to do a particular job and his kid will go to a particular school only to take up his job when he retires or when he go, grows older so then the purpose of school system then became uh, to be part of the conveyor belt to be part of the herd mentality to follow what's being told to them when all of these things happen freedom is being taken away from you because you are made to do things a particular way now what happens here the construct of freedom is very crucial these thoughts of meaninglessness or pointlessness can come about because of the freedom that we might experience right now in and about this age because when you look at the current indian culture or when you look at the current indian society for a long period of your life which is until you are 17 18 years old your parents tell you what you need to do everything more often than not you are being told what you need to do there is very little to no freedom at all but by the time you are 17 and 18 all of a sudden you have a lot of freedom being given to you which is basically you can choose your own stream sometimes you can sometimes they don't allow that as well and after that you can choose your own college or what specialization that you wish to pursue sometimes those choices are also made for you so there's a constant battle for freedom 
But more often than not, when we are 18 or when we are 19, there's a 17, 18, 19, there's a sense of responsibility being put upon us that, hey, we have to be someone. And now all of a sudden we are given the freedom to be someone. So our parents are like, if you're not successful, it's your fault. But up until now, they didn't allow us to do anything. And all of a sudden they have bombarded us with a sense of freedom. This freedom then can be very overwhelming, can be very anxiety provoking. So when you talk about work, when you talk about productivity, when you talk about pointlessness of things, what then happens is that this pointlessness can overwhelm you. And that is why you can give away your freedom by saying, by the argument that, hey, I am going to die one day. Everyone is going to die one day. So why put effort? So <clears throat> like I was saying, you know, uh, by the time we are 17, 18, we are somewhat relatively given the choice of choosing our own stream. Uh, in so many other cases, that choice is also not given. But we are kind of made to convince, uh, there's a sense of conviction, that if, say, a parent is choosing a particular stream for you, it's good for you. And you tend to go away, go with that as well. But then what happens in that dynamic also, you are essentially making a choice of listening to your parents by listening to them, by virtue of listening to them. Now, by the time you turn 17, 18, and you want to go to a college or you want to particular pursue a stream, there's a lot of freedom, you know, in a very existential sense that befalls upon you, which this freedom can be very overwhelming. How? Because so far, you have been in a protected environment, in a protected situation, especially taking our culture. But now, all of a sudden, you have to be successful. You have to be someone. You have to resemble an important person. So then questions like these come about when this freedom is overwhelming, there's a sense of anxiety that comes about. So then because of by virtue of this anxiety, the question comes in, okay, then if everything is going to end and if we are all going to be, you know, space dust one day, why put in the effort? Because putting in an effort is actually an exercise of free will and freedom. And we are all afraid to do so. So while we all like to feel free, we all like to feel liberated. There is a greater sense of fear that we experience by virtue of freedom. And that is when a lot of these existential thoughts come about, about the pointlessness and meaninglessness of things. Again, these are not necessarily negative. These are only natural. These are important. And it is only important that we address these existential thoughts, these existential concerns. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, when yeah. I yeah. Uh, Manish, but I had a question over here. Can yeah. you elaborate more on uh, the part where you said that we fear uh, freedom as well? Sure, sure, sure. So let me explain freedom here a bit and how freedom works. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's the self. So say I could be the self. Uh, Aman, you could be the self. Any one mm -hmm. of us is the self. Now, this self, the I, has free will. All right. Now, when a free will can be, which is basically freedom. Now, freedom or free will gets shown in the choices that we make. Now, every time that I make a choice, what happens is there is a consequence because of that choice. Any choice that I make, there will be a consequence. Now, what happens after that consequence is that there is a responsibility of the consequence. And it is the self who is responsible for the consequences of their choices. All right. What happens then that this realization of responsibility can induce a sort of existential anxiety. The fear then comes in. That is exactly where we differentiate between authentic choice and inauthentic choice. An inauthentic choice is somewhat of an illusory choice that you are making, where you're convincing yourself that, hey, 
I am not making this choice. This choice someone else is making for me. But allowing others to make a choice for yourself is also still making that choice, right? An authentic choice mm-hmm. then would be one where you are very consciously and intentionally making a particular choice, and you are aware that the responsibility of these consequences would be fall upon you, right? And you are cognizant of the anxiety that comes about with it. So to elucidate further, right? Say, what if you take up a particular stream? You have taken up a particular stream. You get into a particular college, right? Now the college that you get into, or the job that you get into, will in so many ways also define and describe the way you're living your life. Now these are choices that you're making. So say you get into a college. There's going to be consequences of being in that college. The opportunities that you get, uh, the people that you meet, and the consequences you will be responsible for them because you are making a choice of getting into the college now this realization of how you are free and the consequences that come about after free will can be very overwhelming can be anxiety provoking now there's a extension of this anxiety what happens is that these choices that we make do not exist in vacuum n number of people are also making choices alongside us sometimes these choices can be complementary sometimes these choices can be conflicting but the realization that each one has actually truly free will and we cannot control the other and the other cannot control me can be very anxiety provoking can be very anxiety overwhelming right so that's what i mean how sometimes more often than not we fear freedom and this fear is very subconscious this fear sometimes is also quite unconscious we think we are free in the everyday choices that we are making but there's an inherent sense of fear that we might experience because to be free in so many ways is also to let go of the things that ground you that connect you it's also an isolating experience of sorts because you are the only one making choices for yourself not others others can't do that for you right here i would like to just extend on another construct i have been talking about existential thinking as a construct another important construct or key concept is that of existential concerns all right there are five existential concerns number 1 freedom these are not uh, when i say number 1 they have no order of importance uh, number 1 is freedom number 2 is existential isolation three is meaning four is death and fifth is identity now when you say existential concern what it means is that by virtue of existing you and i all of us present on this call anyone who is listening are actually dealing with these concerns these concerns are in our life by virtue of existing you will have to deal with freedom you will have to deal with isolation you will have to deal with meaning making the presence or lack thereof you will have to deal with that and you will have to deal with your own identity the sense the question as to who am i right and these are concerns that are interrelated so the question that all of you asked me about space dust and why put an effort in it all we kind of explored the emotion there and what theme came about there was that of freedom but like i said these existential concerns are interconnected with freedom then comes in isolation because you are making the choice alone but again alongside that isolation also comes in the challenge of identity because you're still struggling to decide who you are you do not know properly truly who am i and yet you are making certain choices to realize to make that realization as to who you are which can again be very overwhelming very bewildering right now this kind of gets complicated here so i hope the interconnection 
between these concerns are making sense and how i used the question that you guys posited about the pointlessness of things and how things are interconnected and why we might have very very such a very very natural question as to what is the point of putting in any effort at all um yeah so my question is that you said that this freedom of choice often um leads to existential thoughts right okay so um even if that might be a good thing i'm often overcome with anxiety and sadness when i think about my place and uh, importance in the universe so would you say that people who delve into such questions are less happy generally than those who do not and if so should we try to stop ourselves from thinking in this way and answer the last question first no you should not stop yourself from thinking in this way uh my master's dissertation was around this topic of existential thinking and i focused on the concerns three of the concerns that i talked about before and my rationale of doing that intervention study was that we need more people we need more communities where we can engage in existential thought i'll tell you why these existential thoughts uh, such as uh, positive right now or uh, there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of sadness when you think about your place and how you're just a tiny speck in the entire cosmos are important questions they come about by the time you're 17 18 years of age and there is a biological explanation for this as well which is basically a prefrontal cortex is developing and it hasn't fully developed by the time you're 17 18 you your prefrontal cortex is responsible for thinking aspect of it right so you're thinking more and more more and more and you're culturally socio culturally also expo- exposed to more opportunities for making free choices now you things can go some certain ways one way is that which maximum people do is to push these thoughts under the carpet they're like i'm not going to think about all of these things because they make me feel uncomfortable so i'm not going to deal with any of these i will deal with my life in different ways all right but what happens is that when you put things under the carpet there is a pile of heap that keeps getting added and added and added and these thoughts come back when you're 24 uh when you are in your quarter life these thoughts come back when you're 45 uh says when you know your children are leaving your home and these thoughts come back when you're 60 as well so these crises happens in different phases of your life these thoughts can also come in when you're 28 when you're 32 and each and every time if these thoughts are coming about the pointlessness of life and you're putting it under the carpet it means that you're not dealing with it and that can patch you back then what happens is that that is why it's important for us to engage in such existential thinking what happens is that a lot of us have these thoughts a lot of us think about life think about the pointlessness of life think fear uh, experience fear experience worry but there is no structure being done here there is no guidance about these existential thoughts and that is why it can be a very overwhelming and isolating experience because what happens is that we like to think that we are the only one who is experiencing this pointlessness or this existential isolation but it's actually a lot of us around and that is why it's important that we have a community we have different different groups where we talk about these existential concerns where we talk about how you're afraid that you feel you are nothing that you're no one and what that means to you how you're afraid that you will be nobody and what that means to you how you do not know who you are and how that makes you feel and how we can explore these concerns because it's a journey these existential concerns can never be achieved can never be an end so say by right now i'm 24 and i have a particular perception of freedom in my life isolation in my life and identity in my life 
but these things are dynamic which is to say they keep on changing so by the time i'm 32 these will definitely change but what i have going on for me is a structure is a skill that i'm developing so existential thinking more often than not i like to think is a skill that all of us need to learn so we should definitely engage in these thoughts now to answer the other question do people who delve in these questions are less happier than those who do not uh it's a it's a good question and there's a gray area here uh, i'll cite a few researchers here so what happens is that when you are engaging in existential thought your scores in depression actually go up high all right because there's a correlation between the two but at the same time when you engage in existential thought your meaning in life scores also go up high there's a positive correlation there as well now when you look at depression and when you look at meaning in life there is a negative correlation there which is to say higher the meaning making lesser the depression scores so what happens is that initially when you are engaging in existential thought and if you do not have a structure if you do not have the particular skill or if you do not have the support system or a safe space to engage in these existential thoughts your depression scores might actually go up high but provided the structure provided the skill provided the safe space and if you are able to search and find meaning and when i say find meaning there is no one particular meaning that you find it keeps on changing but the ability or the skill of that finding that meaning can actually help you feel less depressed less anxious because you feel there is more agency you feel more freedom you feel more assured and connected to to yourself and all of these constructs are negatively correlated to depression uh meaning in life existential thinking and life satisfaction are highly correlated so there's a lot of benefits actually in engaging in existential thoughts right now another third point here would be uh it like they say ignorance is bliss so people who do not engage in existential thinking at all and put it under the carpet might seem say relatively more blissful or you know not dealing or not having these concerns with them at all but it's a choice that you make do you want to engage in these thoughts or do you not want to engage in these thoughts because then it becomes a journey and either way is okay but what i would prefer is that we have more spaces more opportunities that teenagers from the time they are 15 or 16 years old are taught to think existentially in a safer manner in a protected environment because otherwise because we do not have this skill because we are not taught this it becomes more and more overwhelming all right does that make sense yeah yes i uh, think those are great manish i have a question over <laughs> you do you think existential thinking helps us grow as individuals and like mature definitely definitely let me let me cite a research here all right uh, this is research done on teenage teenagers identity okay now what happens is that when by the time you have 15 14 15 years of age you start forming your own identity it's where it starts now when you're starting to form your own identity you are also letting go of your identity that your mother or father has given you or that your family has given you so there is a role transition there is a transition period then now a transition period can be an isolating experience why because you are trying to find your own identity a point of anchoring and you have not yet all right and at the same time you're letting go of your familial identity not completely but to a greater extent you're trying to break away from it manish is trying to be manish and not just my father's son or my mother's son i'm trying to be me but i still haven't found me which can be an isolating experience now in that time what then helps is that uh say having clicks having clubs like you know someone who's a footballer might feel uh have the identity of being a footballer 
right? Someone who's a singer might have the identity of being a singer. That is why in school, especially at that age, these identities become so and so much more important because those are anchoring grounds. That's where you're defining yourself. Now, this is a reality that you will find, which is quite universal. So many teenagers go through this. But has any one of us told us that, hey, this is actually existential thinking. You're going through a role transition. We're trying to find your own identity and you are having an isolating experience. All right. So then what happens is that if this existential thinking is taught, you know, like Aman, you pointed out, yes, it can be a more maturing. It can be a more healthy experience because what happens in schools is that this identification of a particular identity more often than not is an unhealthy experience. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of comparison that's being done. There's a lot of competitiveness. But the truth is the bully who is bullying the victim and the victim and the footballer and the singer and like, you know, and the famous people in the school and the silent kid in the school, all of them are actually isolated and are dealing with identity difficulties. That's the reality. But none of us talk about it and it needs to be talked about more. The more we talk about it, the more it gets normalized and then it facilitates growth. It, it facilitates maturity because you're understanding the world better. Your choices are more refined in your life. So that would be my answer here. Right. So uh, Manish, I have a question mm -hmm. over here. Uh, you spoke about identity, mm -hmm. right? Do you think uh, Eric Erickson's fifth stage of development where identity versus role confusion mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. in play over here? Definitely, you know, whether definitely, child loans. Yes, yes, yes. That is uh, that is an important point. I mean, thank you for bringing it up. Uh, identity and versus role confusion is a very real psychosocial development, and it definitely, definitely plays a role here. So that's how you know I connect it with existentialism as well. That there's a lot of identity versus role confusion, and all of us are going through the developmental phase. But how successful are we in you know getting past this developmental phase? A lot of us. In so many ways, you know, I see myself and others around me as well struggling with identity. But that is a phase that we had to successfully deal with before, but we could not because we were not given the opportunity or the space to do so. So then right now, say, for example, my developmental phase would be intimacy versus isolation. That's where I stand in the Ericksonian stages. So not only I'm dealing with intimacy versus isolation, being a 24 year old, I'm also dealing with identity versus role confusion because that never really got addressed when I was a teenager, you know, so because of the culture and because of the lack of spaces, things keep on getting added up, added up, added up, and there's a pile again that gets created. So yeah, that's a good point, Amit. It is, it's quite relevant, the identity versus role confusion, psychosocial stage of development. Uh, Manish, I have a question. So uh, when uh, we just spoke about uh, not having like, general meaning mm -hmm. of life, right? So uh, my personal experience when it comes to people who believe in some form of religion is that they don't really, uh, they don't delve into these questions like what's the point of life. So do you think that religion has a huge impact on uh, what people think that the meaning of definitely, life is? Definitely, definitely. Uh, here what is important is that we do not associate any form of judgment with religion, you know. Uh, that would be the first acknowledgement because for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people, religion is a form of meaning, right? What happens with the cashier again is that any particular source, if it becomes the only source of meaning, then that becomes difficult. Then that can backfire. So say a particular individual can have religion as a form of meaning, can have work as a form of meaning, can have very beautiful and meaningful relationships in their life and get meaning from that, can get meaning from art and culture. So this person, individual has different sources of meaning and is somewhat of a healthy individual. Right? But a lot of people only have religion as their source of meaning, which is also okay.
but if it goes to the extreme that is when the difficulty arises right so religion can be a very important source of meaning and is also a well studied uh, area of research as well and if anyone is finding meaning through religion it's quite acceptable and it can be very healthy as well you know so uh, that's what it need not necessarily be an unhealthy thing that okay people who find meaning through religion uh, it's not cool or like you know that's not right no that's really necessarily not the case god can be a very very important and grounding source of meaning for a lot of us and that is okay especially when you're going through role transitions or transitions in your life religion can be an anchoring point and that is quite okay and accepted because that's where you're anchoring and you're getting your energy from as well so yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had a question. Um, yes, you spoke about Eric Erikson's uh, stages. Mm-hmm. So, like, how about like in Freud, when there's fixation, it shows up in some ways. Like, it shows up in your personality. Mm-hmm. Is there something like that when it comes to fixation in Eric Erikson's stages? Oh, uh, I'm I'm not sure I got the question right. So, are you talking about uh, Freudian fixation within the Eric Erikson stages? Yeah. So, like, are there any ways mm-hmm. it shows up in our personality? Like, when there's like. um excessive amount of energy that you invest but still like you're not able to find it so does it show up in some way oh uh, yeah it can it can i might uh, i might not use the term fixation here because like you know that would be what freud used in his theories the other term would be right. say the so psychosocial developmental stage was not successfully uh passed yeah. you know so that would be so mm-hmm. because when you say fixation it means a freudian construct right so we might not yeah. uh, collate the two constructs here so yes it can be that you have not uh, you know successfully dealt with a particular psychosocial stage and that can show up in different ways like you know like i said for me right now apart from dealing with intimacy versus isolation when because i fall under that and their excellent stage i am also dealing with identity versus role confusion right so it can show up in those ways okay thank you mm-hmm. oh okay so uh, manisha on a similar note to uh, finding meaning in religion do you think that uh, people actually go out and find a lot of hobbies to give their life some sort yes, of meaning yes 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 uh, this is what i was thinking you know what's the biggest meaning uh, making and connectedness for indians after religion it's cricket so sports can be a huge meaning making process football uh can be a huge meaning making element hobbies art culture can be a very beautiful meaning making experience as well see when we think of meaning right what more often than not we perceive is like superman meaning is something that is inaccessible it has to be all powerful all encompassing all um you know omniscient and omnipresent it's it, it's like superman no meaning is not like that meaning can be found every day anywhere meaning can be found in this uh, anchor call like you are having fun and you find meaning in your work that can be meaningful you drew something and you found meaning in that meaning can be found in friendships and relationships in cricket and football meaning can be found in a stadium where you felt connected to a fellow sports enthusiast that you have never met and will perhaps never meet but you connected on something that grounded you and that was a very meaningful beautiful experience for you that made life good you know what is meaning in life meaning in life is nothing but what makes life feel worth it that makes life feel oh this is something this is important this is crucial that makes you feel things right so meaning necessarily need not be representative of like superman it can be found everywhere and anywhere so art movies uh photography anything any of these hobbies can be a source of meaning which is encouraged you know you could find meaning in it what does 
art represent to you what does a particular sport represent to you so what that represents to you is your meaning in in that area that representation is what is meaning there